I'm your host, Matt Hicks, the EFF Educator, here to react to week two of the college football season. Week one of the NFL season, we have a full episode for you here. Segment one, week two, Debbie standout. Segment two, rookie reactions straight from the rookie big board discord itself. And segment three, put some respect on the 2025 wide receiver class. All right, let's get into it. Another big week of college football here. We had some standouts from the 2024 quarterback class. We have some sneaky good running backs to watch here. We'll talk about a wide receiver. We'll talk about a tight end. We got it all here. But let's start with Bo Nix. Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks, they played in a real battle with Texas Tech. They went into Lubbock. They went down to West Texas here. And the Oregon Ducks came out hot. A big connection from Bo Bo Nix to Troy Franklin. I believe it was a 66-yard touchdown, if I'm remembering correctly. It was 60-plus. Great deep ball down the sideline. Troy Franklin looked great. I won't go into another rant on him like I did last week. And then they kind of got into it. Texas Tech took command of the game, but Bo Nix was never rattled. He was in command of that offense. He looks like a real presence. And I got to tell you, folks, it sounds unquantifiable, but NFL front offices are going to appreciate it. His final stat line, 32 for 44, 359 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he ran nine times for 46 yards. Bo Nix looks impressive week after week, and if Oregon continues to build up a strong resume, Bo Nix is going to be at the helm of that resume, and he's only going to continue to rise in terms of his draft stock. For me, right now, if the draft happened tomorrow, Bo Nix is a day two selection, and he's one that's going to have a lot of fans behind him. We absolutely need to keep an eye on Bo Nix and this Oregon offense here as the season progresses. Somebody else who hasn't got quite as much love for me is Jackson Dart, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. Now, Jackson Dart, high four-star guy, he showed out at USC as a freshman, ends up struggling, transfers out, goes to Ole Miss, plays okay last season, but really doesn't live up to the hype that he had gained early on in his Devy career. He ends up in a three-way quarterback battle this offseason. He does win it. It goes all the way to fall camp. A lot of folks thought Spencer Sanders the Oklahoma State transfer, the senior who ran out of eligibility to challenge Jackson Dart, was going to win the job, but he doesn't. Jackson Dart holds on to it, and against Tulane here, he goes 17 for 27, 267 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but what really surprised me here about Jackson Dart is that it wasn't just a box score for him. If you watched him against Tulane, he looked a lot more athletic and mobile than we're used to seeing from Jackson Dart. We've always kind of perceived him as a pocket passer, and we've been left disappointed when he doesn't have 350-yard games. But if he can go 14 for 41 on the ground, and it's better than 14 for 41. Remember, folks, if you take a sack at the college level, that's negative rushing yards. But he goes 14 for 41, and he looks athletic and mobile doing it. Over the first two games of the season, Jackson Dart has completed 70% of his passes for 601 yards and he has a six to one touchdown to interception ratio 
Now, Ole Miss hasn't gotten into their SEC schedule yet, so that's when we're really going to see whether Jackson Dart holds up. But nevertheless, he's somebody who is quietly rising in Devi value. Next up here, Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dimes is back. It feels good to say it, folks. You go back to that 2021 film, and Tyler Van Dyke looks like an excellent NFL prospect. I was hyping him up a lot going into the 2022 season. I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if it was play calling, but Tyler Van Dyke is healthy. He's got a new offensive coordinator. He looked all right week one, but he comes out against Texas A&M in a big game and shows up for the Hurricanes. 21 for 30, 374 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Van Dyke has a big arm and he was slinging the ball around the field with a confidence that we have not seen from him in over a year. So if Van Dyke continues to be a presence in the pocket, sling that ball deep, and he was getting creative with it. Like, he was kind of working the ball around the field. Uh, You know, if we could keep that going from Tyler Van Dimes, then we're going to see another guy entering into the day two NFL draft conversation. Remember, folks, he's got prototypical quarterback size, so you combine that with good tape, and if this production keeps up, playing at the helm of the Miami offense, especially if he can push the Hurricanes into that nine-win territory that would be a huge turnaround for the Miami program and quite frankly folks it would be a huge turnaround for TVD's Devi and draft value next up here is Sam Hartman Sam Hartman looked in control leading the Notre Dame offense here against NC State and NC State might not sound like the most intimidating opponent but at Wake Forest Sam Hartman threw the majority of his career interceptions playing against NC State like if you go total over his career he's always struggled against the NC State defense. They play that stack 3-3-5, and it's always confused Sam Hartman. But with a solid offensive line in front of him, he wasn't phased at all. Four touchdowns, 286 yards, zero interceptions for Sam Hartman. He looks poised. He looks in control. And I've said it from the start, I don't think Sam Hartman's ceiling is above a day three selection, but he absolutely has, like, prime, valuable, day three pick written all over him. If we keep this up here, Sam Hartman will definitely be drafted in rookie drafts. Uh, Even your standard basic, you know, 48 pick, four round rookie drafts uh, from the 2024 season. All right, let's pivot off of quarterbacks here. And by the way, you may not have heard me mention Quinn Ewers or JJ McCarthy. That's pretty intentional here because I'm going to have a video coming out here either next week or potentially the week after talking about J.J. McCarthy and Quinn Ewers, who both had really impressive starts to the season. You also won't hear me talk about Devin Neal because you'll get a video on Devin Neal and running back Audric Estime on the Rookie Big Board YouTube channel this week. So absolutely make sure you're subscribed over there on YouTube, Rookie Big Board, because you get some bonus content, especially when it comes to the Devi landscape this time of year. All right, running back Jacovius Marks from Mississippi State. This is somebody who I've been in on for years. And folks, sometimes you kind of luck into things playing C2C, Campus to Canton, because I've had Jacovius Marks for his college fantasy football value. He was very productive in that Mike Leach Mississippi State system. 
But now Marx is bulked up. He's got NFL size. All right, he was always kind of hanging in that like 195 range, right? Which is always kind of sketchy uh, for NFL draft uh, translation. But now he's over 200. He's got that size, and he's still getting it done on the ground and through the air. Nobody is talking about Jacovius Marks, but he's absolutely going to be a legitimate day three NFL draft prospect. All right, this week he went 24 for 123 and a touchdown on the ground against Arizona, and he had four receptions for 32 yards. He's a key piece of this offense and under their new head coach, Mississippi State has made it a point to prioritize the run, which is something they have not done in the past. And so as they prioritize the run, Chacovius Marks is only going to get more and more tape to accumulate for NFL front offices to see and appreciate. Now, Damian Martinez, he's not somebody who has necessarily a huge volume load, but he had a really strong week one for Oregon State and heading into this uh, this week, he had a really efficient week. He only ran the ball seven times, and now Oregon State was playing uh, FCS opponent. So you know you don't want to read too, too much into it, but it still looked impressive what he was able to do. And we've seen folks that FCS opponents can give Power 5 guys a little bit of a run, so let's not just write them off because of that. So Martinez this week goes 7 for 104 with a touchdown on the ground. And over the first two weeks, the Oregon State running back has 25 carries for 249 rushing yards and that one touchdown. Damian Martinez is in the 2025 class. He's a three-star recruit, so he's a little bit under the radar. But if you were looking to try to get like a cheap Devi player to acquire, Damian Martinez is a guy whose value absolutely should be rising here consistently over the course of the season. Under the radar, let's stick with that theme here. Texas Tech wide receiver Jerron Bradley. He's 6'5", he's 220, he's a true sophomore, and he showed up against Oregon, okay? He was 5 for 83, so 5 receptions for 83 yards. He averaged 16.6 yards per reception. He found the end zone against Oregon, and if you looked, his ability to stretch the field, play the boundary, he had good speed. He was finding ways to separate against the Oregon defensive backs and he found himself with multiple red zone targets he was able to haul one in it was a pretty impressive catch uh, so Jaron Bradley is absolutely a guy to watch you're not going to hear his name probably too too much he's going to be somebody from a Devi perspective it's probably going to be a slow burn but just put that name in the back of your head Jaron Bradley the wide receiver for Texas Tech 6'5 220 true sophomore all right, one more here in Devi standouts before we get to those rookie reactions. I want to talk about USC true freshman. No, not Zachariah Branch. I want to talk about the tight end, Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson goes four for 71. And over the course of the first three games for the USC Trojans, he has eight receptions for 186 yards and one touchdown. Now, part of this volume definitely could be because USC has been blowing out their opponents, but I don't care. Anytime a true freshman tight end can get on the field and get legitimate volume early, that's going to impress me. So Deuce Robinson, along with the seven other guys that I mentioned here, impressed me this week as Devi standouts. Now you'll realize as I go through my Devi standouts, I'm not just going to sit here and read the top of the Devi rankings. I'm not just going to sit here and read the eight best box scores of the week. I'm going to try to take you around the league, give you a different sampling of players that are popping out each and every week, 
And more importantly, I'm going to try to give you more than just the five or 10 names that everybody's going to be talking about every week. And each and every week, I'm also going to rotate it here. But if you do hear names start to pop up two or three times, that's your hint that they are moving up and up and up and have serious value to the rookie big board. All right, folks, let's go. It is time. Week one NFL rookie reactions. So I was really going back and forth in terms of how I was going to approach rookie performances in week one. And then as the games were going on here, the game day chat, the NFL draft chat, and heck, even the college football chat in the rookie big board discord, they were all going off and super active. And so I said to myself, what better way than to read the rookie reactions from the discord? So I pulled five rookie reactions from week one performances, and I'm going to react to say, you know, whether I agree with them, whether I'm worried about them, those types of things here. And I'm going to start with the Zay Flowers love. So uh, Zay Flowers will feed is the initial reaction here from PP275MAD in the Rookie Big Board Discord. And I got to say, yes, Zay Flowers will continue to feed this season. He pulls in nine receptions in his first game for the Ravens. Nine receptions. Those are more than the entire rest of the Baltimore offense combined. Everybody else combined had eight receptions. Say Flowers, he had nine receptions. He had 78 yards. I know that doesn't sound like amazing 78 yards, but it's actually two times more than anybody else in this offense, all right? And so that's really impressive for me. A couple of things to keep in mind as we move forward week to week with Zay Flowers. Let's keep in mind here that Mark Andrews wasn't healthy. He didn't play in this game. When Mark Andrews is in the game, the offense runs in a different way because no matter how the wide receivers line up, Mark Andrews is always the target leader in the offense. He's always Lamar's first choice. So we may not see nine receptions from Zay Flowers moving forward. It might be more like seven or even six. But to me, what's clear is that he is the top priority as a wide receiver to get involved in the game. And you definitely saw Baltimore getting him involved in different ways today. His uh, yards per reception is a little bit low, 8.7. That's not what you want to see. And that is what I've talked about being a little worried about with Zay Flowers. But nevertheless, even if that yards per reception is low, the emphasis, the onus is clearly on getting him involved early on in the season. And that's never a bad thing. So Zay Flowers, I completely agree, absolutely will feed. Next up here, Jordan Addison will be the runner up for rookie of the year. This comes from Eastwood FF. Clint, who's the who's the rookie of the year? I don't know because Jordan Addison might have made a claim to be just the rookie of the year in this first week. He looked awesome. I think this is a situation where the eye test is a little bit more than the box score. You saw a big touchdown reception for Jordan Addison. He's able to just beat the coverage here. It was a little bit of blown coverage, I'm not going to lie, but he looked good throughout the day, especially throughout the first half for the Vikings. He does end up with four receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown. He did have another red zone target and it looked like he was going to be able to, you know, find the end zone twice there, but alas, he ends up with just one. That's okay. No need to complain here. Here's my big takeaway. All right. And I said this all along. 
So I'm not trying to victory lot. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just pointing out how important it is to pay attention to projections, right? A lot of folks were scared because they said, you know, Jordan Addison couldn't get his with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson on the field. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions for 150 yards. Clearly the wide receiver one in this offense. That was never in doubt. TJ Hawkinson, eight receptions for 35 yards. Clearly the priority underneath. That's okay. That's what we said. That's what we knew the whole time through. That still left plenty of value out there for Jordan Addison. And guess what, folks? Kirk Cousins only found the end zone twice in this game. It wasn't his best passing performance. Minnesota only scored 17 points today. I don't think the Vikings are walking away from this game happy with the way their offense looked. Their offense is going to improve, and as they do, that's just more and more value here for everybody in this offense, but especially Jordan Addison. So yeah, Clint, maybe Jordan Addison is the runner-up for Rookie of the Year, but heck, maybe he's just Rookie of the Year. All right, next up here, Raza Delta drops a Laporta take. Laporta, by the way, a lot of Detroit fans in the Rookie Big Board Discord, and I love it. I'm happy for them because the Lions have a lot of momentum, and there's a lot of Laporta love in the Discord for sure. So Raz's take here is that Laporta ends up with the second most targets for Detroit, but the highest catch percentage. So Laporta on Thursday Night Football caught all five of his targets, 100% catch percentage here uh, from week one. He had 39 yards. So the main guy you're going to compare him to for this take is Amon Ross St. Brown. ARSB went six for nine. He had um, 11.8 yards per reception versus Laporta, who had 7.8 yards per reception. So I point that out to say, yeah, when you have three less yards per reception, it's probably a little bit easier to have a higher catch percentage. Now, if I go back to my preseason projections here, which again are available, uh, are still available to rookie big board patrons, uh, Laporta was at 74 targets for me, which was the second most on the Detroit offense. So I am absolutely in on Sam Laporta having the second most targets for the Lions. I that that was my preseason projection, so I'm good to hold that take. I had Laporta catching 70% of his targets compared to ARSB, who had 72% of his targets. So Amon Ross St. Brown a little below my projection there from week one. I'm going to say that that he still ends up with the most. I think Amon Ross St. Brown still ends up with a higher catch percentage, but I think it's really high, and I think it's really good for both of them. So I'm going to half agree with your take here, Raza. All right, next up here, Cooper. Uh, we had a rookie big board analyst here sneak a take in here, and it was that Bijan Robinson isn't a bell cow. So the wet towel jumps in here. Cooper's telling me that Bijan 16 touches, 81 yards, that receiving touchdown... The six receptions, he's telling me it wasn't enough from week one. Now, Bijan had an awesome first touchdown in the NFL. He gets the reception. It looks like he should be dead in the water, caught behind the line of scrimmage, breaks the defender in open space, and ends up scoring on that. Now, all that being said, the wet blanket comment... It's a little fair and it's a little concerning because Bijan absolutely showed out and by all means, a great first game for any rookie in terms of fantasy performance. But Bijan Robinson, he's not any rookie. 
right? In my projections, I went all in on him. I didn't hold back. I had Bijan Robinson right up there with CMC in terms of projection this season. I have him as the dynasty running back one. I have him right up there at the top of the seasonal projections, right? So the question is, how is Bijan going to be used relative to Tyler Algier? Algier had 18 touches, so he actually out-touched Bijan. He had 15 carries, so he had one less carry here. Um, or I'm sorry, he had... Uh, 15 carries, which was five more carries than Bijan. So Algier, 15 carries, 18 touches. Bijan, 10 carries, 16 touches. And Algier, he stole those two touchdowns. And maybe those are his touchdowns. Maybe he didn't steal those touchdowns because the two rushing touchdowns both went to Algier. I don't love to see that. All right. So it's going to be interesting to see. Is this the Falcons easing Bijan in? Is this the Falcons not, you know, knowing exactly what their game plan is heading through the season? Or is this the Falcons really wanting to make sure that Algier is still a big part of this team? Now, I think it's worth pointing out, and I don't know exactly what this means yet, but I don't think Atlanta was challenged in the way against Carolina that they will be for most of their schedule this year. So will they change a little bit in a more negative game script? Will they push Bijan a little bit harder in a negative game script? That we're going to have to wait and find out. But I think the comment is worth, you know, working through here, Cooper. Maybe he's not the bell cow that we thought he will be, but I'm not ready to say that quite yet. We're still all in on Bijan, and I still think he could finish at the 2023 seasonal running back one. All right, one more rookie take, and you know... You know I had to get this one in here because there is nobody. I'm sorry, folks. Please. I, I I don't like to sit here and do the victory lap thing. I don't. But please, find me somebody more happy about Puka Nakua in week one than me right now. I mean, maybe all the rookie big board patrons because the take is from NB Texans. Let's thank the rookie big board for Puka Nakua. And I am so happy, not just because of my... 80, probably 90 plus percent exposure to Puka Nakua. But when I go out on a limb against consensus all draft season and hype up a guy, even as that third, fourth round sleeper pick, it makes me nervous because I will always stick to my takes. But I know when I give that advice, the listeners and patrons and viewers are taking my advice and they're rolling with it and they're using draft capital on it. And it makes me nervous just because I don't want to let folks down. And so for my guy, my sleeper guy to come out here and have a huge week one performance, I appreciate all the thanks and I appreciate Puka. And listen, I know, let's put this in a little bit of perspective. I know part of this certainly is because Cooper Cup is going to be out for the first four games at least. And I'm not, you know, celebrating his injury by any means. But if you look at the preseason, maybe Puka doesn't have, you know, 10 receptions in week one, but I still think he has six, right? Even if Cooper Cup is there and healthy, because Puka was in and involved in the offense all preseason. Everything from the Rams beat, everything from Sean McVay has said how impressed they are for Puka. So yes, a little bit part of this absolutely has to be, you know, factored in with the Cooper Cup injury. But I don't think Puka Nakua is is absolutely absent from a, a strong week one performance, even if Cooper Cup is out there. So Puka ends up, he goes 10 for 119. That was the line when I started recording. I got to be honest, there was two minutes left in the Rams game when I flipped on this recording, which is, by the way, why you won't hear me giving a Jalen Hyatt reaction, because I'm sure he'll go off tonight 
on Sunday Night Football, uh, but I won't talk about it because it hasn't happened yet as of this time of recording. But Puka goes 10 for 119. He leads the team in receptions with 10 for a rookie in his first game, a day three selection, and he's uh, tied in receiving yards with 119 leading the team there. And here's the thing. Didn't even get any run on the ground. Didn't even get any rushes. I definitely think Sean McVay is keeping that in his back pocket. So there you go. Five rookie reactions. Zay Flowers will eat. Addison. Jordan Addison can absolutely be the runner-up for Rookie of the Year, if not the Rookie of the Year. Sam Laporta can absolutely finish with the second most targets for the Detroit Lions. Bijan Robinson absolutely might not be a bell cow, but he probably is. And yes, let's all be thankful for Puka Nakua and the love that he's gotten throughout the rookie big board community. Segment three, 2025 wide receiver class on deck. So I posted a video of true freshman wide receiver from USC, Zachariah Branch, showing off his electric speed on a punt return touchdown. And in the comments from the video uh, that I posted, Bex, who is a, a rookie big board faithful, all right, from day one all the way back, pretty much an OG in the rookie big board, made an absolutely correct point. And he said, people are going to prioritize Zachariah Branch as the Devi wide receiver one as soon as the 2024 class goes off, right? And I think he's right. There's so much hype around Zachariah Branch that I think a lot of folks right now would take him over any wide receiver in the 2025 class. And I love Zachariah Branch. I bumped him up. I'm in on the hype. I made him the wide receiver one in the 2026 class, but I will not, I will not yet prioritize him over the 2025 wide receiver class in general because there are a lot of good players to talk about in this wide receiver class. And I'm making this point not just relative to Zachariah Branch, but I do feel like overall, when we think about the Debbie landscape, we don't think highly about the wide receivers in the 2025 class, but I think they have a chance to be really impactful. I want to start with Evan Stewart, the wide receiver at Texas A&M. Evan Stewart went 11 for 142 against Miami's defense. He has showed up in this new offensive scheme here being called by Bobby Petrino. He looks so much better with Connor Wegman than he does the rotation of subpar uh, less than Jag quarterbacks that Texas A&M rolled out for him in his true freshman season. And despite that, Stewart was still pretty productive in his true freshman season. He's shown the ability to be a true downfield threat. He's athletic. He's fast. He's shown consistent and good hands. Over the first two weeks of the season, Evan Stewart is 19 for 257 with two touchdowns. So he, for me, is absolutely still above Zachariah Branch in the Devi rankings. And I think Evan Stewart is the type of guy that's just going to continue to climb in value here over the next couple months. Also ahead of Zachariah Branch in the rookie big board, the Devi big board rankings is Luther Burden, the wide receiver out of Mizzou. I feel like because Luther Burden didn't pop off immediately as a true freshman, then everybody gave up on the five star. All right, folks, let's put it in perspective here. It was a five-star wide receiver who was trying to get on the field and make an impact for Mizzou right away here. Well, we have a coaching scheme change for Mizzou, and more importantly, 
importantly here, Luther Burden gets bumped from the outside into the slot, and he has been absolutely eating from there. So far, or I should say this past week for Mizzou, Luther Burden goes eight receptions for 117 yards. Overall, through the first two weeks, he has 15 receptions for 213 yards and a touchdown. He's looked twitchy, explosive, and here's the thing. Mizzou doesn't get a lot of hype, especially early on in the season. You're not really going to see Mizzou on TV uh, until they get into the SEC schedule. But once they do, I think you're going to see Burden line up against good SEC defenders and make them look silly. He's going to continue to be productive. So for that reason, Luther Burden also in my rankings still ahead of Zachariah Branch. Now, I want to talk about three more wide receivers in the 2025 class that are not ahead of Zachariah Branch currently, but I think could get there and still are going to prop up a strong wide receiver class. And the first one is T-Mac, Tatoria McMillan, the wide receiver for Arizona. You've heard me talk about him a lot as a sleeper. I'm done with him being a sleeper, all right? If you don't know about Tatoria McMillan at this point in time, that's on you because he is a big man, all right? He has great boundary size. He's athletic. He has great body control, and he has great contested catchability. He went 8 for 161 against Mississippi State. Now, Arizona playing in the Pac-12, they're not going to get the best defenses week in and week out, but he went into Starkville, played an SEC defense, and he dominated them, all right? He had 20 yards per reception, all right, with a large frame, 20 yards per reception and a touchdown, a T-Mac could absolutely end up at the end of this season being higher in my Debbie rankings than Zachariah Branch. And again, folks, Zachariah Branch, that's a high bar. I'm not knocking Zachariah Branch. I'm using him as a barometer to emphasize here that there are playmakers and good players in the 2025 class. Next up is Barry and Brown. And Barry and Brown, you know, Kentucky's kind of gotten off to a shape start against uh, Eastern Kentucky and against Ball State. But Barry and Brown uh, definitely was able to help Kentucky get past a, a clunker against Eastern Kentucky here. He went 6 for 51 through the air. He had a touchdown, and he had two rushes for 34 yards. Barry and Brown is a two-way athlete. They'll give him the ball on the ground. They'll give him the ball through the air. He's twitchy. He's explosive. He's elusive. He's got good field vision, and he can get yards after the reception. So Barry and Brown, he's somebody who I think consensus is a little bit higher on than me, but nonetheless, should absolutely be propping up the class and I could go three or four more wide receivers deep that I like in the 2025 class but I felt like I had to round it out with Travis Hunter Travis Hunter of course the two-way player for Colorado three receptions for 73 yards averaging 24 yards of reception here in week two against Nebraska Nebraska is a strong defense all right they're not a good offense but they're a strong defense and in particular here Travis Hunter went up and got this ball that he had no business going up and getting He's contested. He's turned around. He's able to use great ball tracking ability, good athleticism, physicality. What I really like about this ball that I'm talking about is a deep ball that Travis Hunter pulls in. All right, so he's up against the defensive back, and he's struggling to create separation because he's really, you know, it's a ball that he shouldn't be catching, right? It's it's the the defender had him beat. The pass wasn't where it needed to be. But Hunter's able to catch up to the ball. 
and he creates space with his arm without extending, so it's not defensive pass interference, but it is just enough for him to create just enough separation to go up and get the ball. And that is so key. We talk about it all the time. Actually, I should rephrase that. I talk about it all the time. I feel like we, as a consensus capital, we don't talk about it enough. How important it is to have physicality with your hands near the catch point, almost to the point of defensive pass interference, but without getting called for It's a very fine skill to have. And for Travis Hunter, who plays on both sides of the ball, to have that refinement as a a sophomore... Like, that is so impressive to me. So here's the thing that I've been saying with Travis Hunter here from the start of the season. You need to be careful because at some point he will have to decide whether he's a DB or wide receiver. So if you're investing him in in Devi, you do have to proceed with a little bit of caution. But nonetheless here, he's going to continue to at least be a member of the 2025 wide receiver class uh, up to the point where he's drafted. And so he's going to help push up the value of this class overall. So is the 2025 wide receiver class like the best position group of any class in the Devi landscape right now? No, but I do feel like they're overall being disrespected. And so I wanted to dig into that, let that one comment turn into an entire segment here. And that's what I love about the rookie big board. Like give, give me a little bit to run on here and I will fully break it down for you. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and folks, please make sure you're checking out patreon.com slash rookie big board. Look, look how much info I just dropped. I waited to the end of the episode to give you the full pitch. If you're not supporting the Patreon, if you're not supporting the podcast, I please, I urge you, give it a shot. We're keeping you ahead of your league mates. We're talking Debbie. We're talking Dynasty. We're talking Rookie. Patreon.com slash Rookie Big Board. And as always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.